Hey, we're Phil and Meredith, and we're the pastors here at Cornerstone Church, and we are so glad that you are here with us today. It's our prayer that this message is an inspiration to you, that it builds you up, that it stirs your faith right now in your today, as well as in the days to come. We believe that God has great things for you. God bless you. Let's get into the Word, all right? Why don't you turn with me to Matthew 14? Matthew 14 is kind of where we've been sitting for a little bit for the last few weeks. It's the story and the account of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And there is really so much that we can take from this story, so much that we can learn from it, so much that we can, can dig out of it and take home with us. And hopefully not just take home with us, but so much that we can then actually apply in our lives and do something with, allow it to change who we are and what we're doing. Sometimes I think of Sunday services a little bit like going to the grocery store. I have this habit of going to the grocery store every week, once a week. Phil kind of teases me about it because this is the thing about my routine, is that if we run out of something before it's time for me to return to the grocery store, then to me, we're out of it until it's time to go back to the grocery store next week. Apparently, there are people who go to the grocery store multiple times per week whenever they're out of things and just refill those things. This has caused great divide. I have been polling people on this and the numbers are very split. If you are a person who whenever you run out of something, you just go to the grocery store, just let me know in the chat or just let's hear a clap if you like to go to the grocery store every single time. Yeah, fascinating. I never knew that this happened. Okay, if you go to the grocery store like once a week or whatever your habit is and if that thing runs out, like if you're out of eggs before your grocery day, then you're just gonna be out of eggs if that's you. Come on, let me hear it for, yes, come on my people. This is how I think that you should run to the grocery store. And I think of coming to the church in some ways, like the grocery store. The good news is that you can access God and his presence anytime throughout your week. But we fill up on, on, his, on what he's speaking to us when we come together in the gathering. And guess what happens? Whoever the grocery shopper in your home is, is the most frustrating thing that happens is if you buy something and then it sits on the shelf and it does not get eaten, it does not get touched, no one returns to that item all throughout the week, what happens to those things? They rot and they go stale, and they are wasted. And for too many of us, we come into the house on a Sunday morning, and we fill up on the word, and then we leave it there in the shelf of our life, and we don't access it throughout the week. We don't come back to it. We don't dig into it. We don't feed, it, feed on it. We don't apply it in our lives. We don't share it with the people around us. And so we're filled up, but the food that we're filled up on is rotting and is going stale in our lives because you were never intended to just gather it in and do nothing else with it. So I want to encourage you today to bring this word into your life and then throughout your week, apply the word. Find out what is God saying to me? Who can I be sharing this with? Because we don't want to be people who let the word, the precious word of God in our lives rot and go stale. We want to be those who take it and who apply it. And I think this Matthew 14 section has so much to share with us. The story, the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000, do you know that it shows up in all four of the Gospels? 
Do you know that all four of the Gospels don't even tell the story of Jesus' birth? If all four of them found this particular miracle so incredible, so relevant, that they all decided to make sure that it was included on their account of what it was like for Jesus walking on the earth, I think it's worth us digging into regularly and saying, what is it that the scripture is trying to teach us through this miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000? So today we're going to look at Matthew 14, starting in verse 16. It says, but Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to them, we only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said to them, bring them here to me. And then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing. And then he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. Now, I know we've been here for a minute, but for the sake of those who have just joined us today, I want to remind you where we are. Jesus and his disciples have just learned that John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, the friend of Jesus, a fellow minister has been beheaded. And in their sorrow, Jesus went to run to a place of solitude. Because I want to remind you that there are times in our faith when we have to pull ourselves away and get in solitude with God, that there are things that he speaks into our life in times when we are away and alone with him that can only happen in the solitude places of our life. But as Jesus tried to pull away in solitude, the people knew who he was, and it says that the crowd ran after him, and they chased him to the place that he was running to, out far outside in the outskirts of town, and the crowd gathered there, which reminds us as well that there are things that only happen when we gather together in the crowd, that in the midst of the group, there is something that happens that can't happen in solitude, and while God desires to speak to us in solitude places, he also desires for us to gather in group settings so that he can do things in our midst together. And they gather in this crowd and it says Jesus' heart is moved with compassion towards the crowd. And as his heart is moved with compassion, he spends time teaching them and performing miracles and revealing to him them really that he is in fact the Messiah who has come through all of the things that he's teaching them and showing them. And it says this goes on until late in the day. And then the disciples come to him and they say, we've been here for a long time and we're out here where there's not a lot going on and everyone is hungry. And so Jesus tells them, fine, you go find the something to feed these people. And they come back and they've found some loaves and the fish. Matthew doesn't tell us this, but Luke tells us that they found a young boy who had some loaves and some fish. And they brought that loaves and that fish to Jesus, and then Jesus took it, and he broke it, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it back to the disciples to then give and distribute to the people. And that five loaves and two fish became a large enough feast to feed this 5,000 people. Because if you remember, we started off talking about how while earlier in Matthew, we saw Jesus running to a desolate place to fast as a reminder that of our commitment to God, we also now here see him celebrating a feast with the people as a reminder of God's commitment to us, as a celebration for what it means that he came to bring us back into relationship together. 
But right before Jesus feeds the 5,000, we see him do two really, I think, important things. He takes that bread and it says he blesses it and he broke it. He blesses it and he broke it. God, we ask you to be here right now. God, I just wanna thank you that you are here right now. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word. And I ask you to speak to us something today. Speak something to us fresh today. God, I ask you for your words to come through me and to produce fruit in our lives. God, teach us to be people who apply your word. Throughout our week, throughout our life, God, let us take what we hear here in your presence today and let us carry it with us every single day, God. Everything that is of you, let it be ours for, the, for taking, for growing, for building on. And everything that's just me, God, let it be forgotten here. Let it drop. Let it be uh, uh, left here in this place. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst. In your name, amen. So I want us to settle into a place of what God's talking about, that in our Christian life, what he's showing us is that we're called to both a season and a time and a place of blessing and of breaking. That it's not one or the other, that when you're found in the place that God has called you to, you're found in a place of both blessing and breaking, and that we get in unhealthy places and we get in extreme places when we see ourselves as only in one or the other. That there are times when we are found in the hand of Jesus that we will be blessed. And there are times when we're found in the hands of Jesus that we will be broken. And the thing is that when we believe that it is only one or the other, we are not experiencing a full faith. And in fact, we put ourselves in a position where it's easy for the enemy to come in and to unsettle and to shake our faith because we think about the extremes of what's happening. If we believe that it is only the blessing that we experience, then when we experience a crushing, when we experience a breaking, when we experience a trial season, because we have built our life on this belief that it is only blessing that I experience in God, it allows the enemy to feed us and to tell us a lie that I must be outside of the will of God because I thought that I was supposed to live 100% all of the time only in what looks like like blessing and we experience a breaking and it rocks our faith and it unsettles our faith because we have believed and consumed a lie that that's not part of what it means to be a believer but it's clear in scripture that breaking is also a part of what it means to be a believer now there's the other extreme that if we live only in breaking and we believe that our christian walk only has to be the devastation of the tough times and that we're always only striving to get by and barely holding on and i i'm not allowed to have anything and i'm not allowed to look like anything and my life is always depleted and my life is always living in suffering and we only connect with the suffering of jesus then we miss out on the favor of who he has called his people to be we miss out on putting on the blessing that he intends to be his sign as a symbol on his people that he has called them unto his own. 
When Israel put a coat on Joseph, he put a coat of his favor on him so that anyone who saw Joseph would know that he is favored by his father. And God has blessings that he wants to wrap you in as a symbol and as a sign that he has called you into his family and he has favored you and blessed you. So if you live only in the breaking, you never get to be the standing testimony that he has called you to be because you're not demonstrating the blessing that he has called you to but if you live only in the blessing and you think it's only your coat that makes you a Christian and a favored walk and believer then when you experience the unsettling rocking shaking breaking that is bound to happen and is intended to be part of your Christian walk then it shakes your faith like a rug being pulled out from underneath you because you thought that living in the presence of God was only living in cotton candy fairyland of the blessing God has called us to live in both. Sometimes we understand only the breaking that God has called us to experience because we can connect so quickly with pain, because we've experienced the hardships of life, because we've been formed in tough times, or perhaps because you were that person who believed that God had only called you to blessing and then you experienced a breaking And when you experienced a breaking, it rocked you so bad that now you believe in God still, but you don't believe that he actually wants to bless you anymore. I want you to know so clearly that blessing is intended from the very beginning to be part of what it means to be part of the people of God. It is part of God's original intent for you and I to exist inside of his blessing. You know how many chapters in the Bible it takes for God to bless? One, we get hardly into the scripture and God says, and he blessed them. Genesis 1.22 is the first time we saw it in the first creation of living creatures. And then next again in 1.28 when he created man and woman, it says, and he blessed them and he multiplied them. When we look at the beginning part of Genesis, when we look at what was happening in the Garden of Eden, it tells us something about what God's original design for us was. And his original design for you was to exist inside of his presence. And he declares his blessing then all throughout scripture again and again and again as the children of Israel do like I said. They run and they get out of right relationship with God and then they call to him and he draws them back in and he blesses them and they continue this cycle and he continues to pronounce his blessing over them. Again and again and again, he declares his blessing over their life. And I think part of the reason that we sometimes get confused about whether or not God really wants to bless us is that we have developed a belief that his blessing should make us look like an episode of Cribs right? Like what it means to live in his blessing is the lifestyles of the rich and the famous. That it means a big shiny car and extra bedrooms in my house and extra zeros on my paycheck and I must be living a blessed life if I'm walking in all of the external materialistic things that I have decided must be a symbol of his blessing. And so then we wonder if God really wants to bless us if we're not necessarily experiencing all of those things. But the scripture doesn't say that living in his blessing is found in the external things. His blessing is his presence. 
His blessing on your life is that God is with us. His blessing on my life is that wherever I go, his presence is there with me. That there's nowhere that I can run from it. That there's nowhere that I can hide from it. That he has called me home into his presence and has decided to transcend from heaven and rest with me. That his presence would be everywhere with me. And yes, his presence is drawing. I think about Uzzah and when the presence, when the ark of the presence came and sat at his house, how it drew unto him increase, how it drew unto him fruitfulness. But those things were signs of the blessing. They were external manifestations of the blessing because the blessing was the internal resting of God's presence in his life. And I think perhaps the people of God would experience his blessing more thoroughly, more completely, more satisfactory, more honestly and authentically if we would stop pursuing external items, if we would stop pursuing time to primp ourselves and prove ourselves so that we can look like we think that we have what it must mean to be in his presence. And we don't believe that being in his presence is sipping champagne out of diamond glasses in my Gucci shoes and saying that I am hashtag blessed, maybe instead of spending so much time pursuing those things, we should spend more time lingering in his presence and saying, God, this is the place that you have called me to be. This is the place that you have blessed me. And perhaps he will add those things unto you and perhaps he will not. But the blessing is that you would be found in his presence. Church, the truth that we preach has to be true across the board. The manifestations of blessing in our context, in our culture, potentially can look like increases in financial blessing. But that may not be true for someone who lives in another context, in another country, in another time, in another day, and in another age. And so if the thing that we are pursuing as the manifestation of his blessing is not true 100% of the time, then it is not true. The word that we preach is truth. And the truth is that the blessing is his presence. And that is true whether I'm in Cambodia or Toledo. It's true whether I'm in Ecuador or Swahili, whether I'm in Paris or in London. The truth is that the blessing is found in his presence. And he has called us to experience the abundance of his blessing. But if the epoch of our blessing experience is just those external things, then there is no reason for James to tell us what he tells us in James 1. In James 1 and 12, he said, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. If we want to separate our blessing and our breaking, James says, no, no, there is a trial that comes to the one who is blessed. 
There is a breaking that comes when you are found in the presence. And I want you to hear so clearly because I think we have a cultural context that speaks to us that if we're experiencing something uncomfortable, if we're experiencing something painful, if we're experiencing something that we didn't want to be a part of, then it must not be part of God's purpose for our life. And that is a lie. There are breaking moments that God intentionally walks us through. He walks with us through them so that he can form us into who we need to be for the purpose that he has for us. Jesus said it this way. In John 15 and 2, he said, Every branch that is in me that does not bear fruit is taken away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes it, that it might bear more fruit. What is pruning? It is a breaking. It is a breaking of the unfruitful thing in your life so that the thing that can bear fruit in your life can remain and can begin to come forward and bear fruit we need to pursue the truth that God is calling us to that fruitfulness and multiplication are connected with our blessing but we don't experience fruitfulness and multiplication if we are not willing to walk through the breaking that God has for us because this is what I see in the story that we see in Matthew which is that God takes the bread and he blesses it and he breaks it. And then he gives it to the disciples to distribute to the people. Your breaking prepares you for distribution. God has called you to be multiplied, to be distributed, to be an aid and a help to the body that he has placed us in. He has called all of us to be a source of encouragement for one another, to be a source of fruitfulness for one another, but we are not fit for distribution until we have been broken. When I keep everything in me, I cannot be distributed. When I want to hold everything intact unto myself, I cannot be distributed. And you were designed for fruitfulness. You were designed for multiplication. You were designed to see generational blessing. But none of this happens without the breaking. Because a breaking in our life develops humility in our life. A breaking in our life develops a place of worship in our life. A place that says, God, I have to keep coming back to you because I see how broken I am without you. A breaking place develops staying power in our life. Breaking seasons cause us to dig our roots down deep in the place that God has planted us. Breaking seasons in our life, storms in our life, there are so many pictures throughout scripture and throughout life. When you think about trees, trees as storms come to them, those storms make the trees stronger because it causes the trees to send their roots deeper into the ground. God has called you to be like one of those trees that when the storm comes, your roots would go deep down into the ground because he has called you to go through the breaking season so that you can be even more fruitful in the next season that he has for you. James said, blessed is the man who is steadfast in the midst of his trial. Blessed is the man who has staying power in the midst of his breaking season. 
There's some ways that we can remain steadfast in the midst of our breaking and we can fight against the culture that we live in that tells us if it is uncomfortable and it is painful, then you might as well retreat from it and run away from it. But the word says, in the midst of my trial, remain steadfast. That I don't run in my breaking, that I don't run in my trial, but I remain steadfast. And what I see in Matthew is a couple things. When, when the disciples come and they say, hey, we found some bread, we found some fish, Jesus said to them, bring it here to me. I believe one of the ways that we stay steadfast in the midst of a breaking season is that we find ourselves staying with Jesus. Just stay in his presence. Stay committed to your spiritual disciplines in the breaking season. In the breaking season, we stay in the midst of the palms of his hand. We find ourselves in the place where he has called us to be. We surround ourselves in his presence. We worship all the more in the midst of a breaking season. We pray all the more in the midst of a breaking season. We dive into his word all the more in the midst of a breaking season season because in the midst of a breaking season if we are going to be found steadfast the place we want to be found is in the hands of Jesus and then the next thing he does is that we see that they remain he tells them to tell the crowd to sit down where they are the midst of a breaking season is not a time for making big altering moves the midst of a breaking season is not a time for making life-changing choices and decisions. The midst of a breaking season is not a time to run away from where Jesus is. It's a time to sit and say, God, what are you doing here? God, I don't know what's going on, so I need you to speak to me. I need to stay. I need to get still right now. I need to sit in this place until I hear what you're doing, until I see what you're doing, until I understand what this season is about. It's not in the scripture, but I wonder how many people left before this moment. How many people were part of the crowd and said, you know what, it seems like he's kind of wrapping up, or you know what, I, I think I'm kind of hungry, I'm going to go find something on my own. You know what, I don't think that they're really going to be able to do anything here, so I'm just going to kind of back out of it. And they missed a miracle at the hands of Jesus. They could have ate a feast that was made in the miracle hands of Jesus, but they left before it happened. In the midst of your breaking season, you have to get steady and remain where God has placed you. And then it says that he gave the bread to the disciples, and the disciples gave it out to the people. The thing about the disciples is the disciples had been there as long as the people had been there. And the disciples obviously didn't have any food either because it says the disciples went to look for it and they took food from a little boy and brought that back to Jesus, which tells me that the disciples were hungry as well. That there was an emptiness in the disciples as well. I wanna guard you so clearly in the midst of a breaking season. It is so easy for you to make your entire life turn inward about what's going on with you. 
It is so easy to say, I am in the midst of trouble right now. I am in the midst of pain right now. I am in the midst of a desert place right now. I am hungry right now, Jesus. I don't know if you noticed, but I've been out here all day as well. And instead of turning your life inward in a breaking season, you have to do like the disciples did and begin to give and push outward. Fight the selfishness. Fight the pride that says everything needs to start revolving around me and push that thing back externally and say, I am going to give all the more in the midst of my breaking season. I feel like God is walking me through a tight place and I don't know what to do about it. So you know what? I'm going to sign up for a team so I can give some of my time. You know what? I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write some encouraging letters so I can give some encouragement even though I'm in the midst of feeling discouraged. You know what? I'm going to commit to giving extra in my offerings every week because I want to pour out and I want to fight the desire that causes me to want to turn in and become external and let my world become small and become minimalized. And the disciples, even though they were hungry as well, they gave out and they distributed to the people, to others. They gave first. And God rewarded them with an abundance. They took home baskets full, baskets filled to the brim in abundance because they didn't first say, thanks so much, Jesus, for getting food. We're just going to take a minute to uh, eat ourselves, and then we're going to get to everyone else. They said, let us give it first and we will be taken care of. In the midst of your breaking season, you have to give and push outside of yourself. Because as we walk through some times of blessing, as we walk through some times of breaking, I think with a little bit of perspective and with a little bit of maturity in our faith, part of what we begin to see and to realize is that it's not that God has me in seasons of blessing and then sometimes he has me in seasons of breaking. In fact, it's that in our Christian walk, the two are so intertwined that sometimes it's tough for me to tell, am I being broken or am I being blessed and I'm not sure all that I'm sure of is that I'm still in the hands of Jesus because it says that he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and I want you to get the picture that these two things were happening at the same time in his hands that as we walk through the seasons he is blessing us and he is breaking us all at the same time and sometimes the blessing is that he would break us that he cares enough for you to break you that he cares enough for you to prune you that he cares enough about what's on the inside of you to press you and see what won't come out of you that he says there's more fruitfulness on the inside of you and after I've walked for a little bit and after I've been matured for a little bit I'm able to see that when I look back actually I thought that it was a pressing season but I see now that it was a blessing because it was my clay in the hands of a potter and I was on a wheel and it felt like he was pressing me but actually when he was pressing me and when he was putting me into the heat he was forming me into the vessel that he needed me to be so that he could pour out his anointing on me all the more so that I I could become a useful vessel to distribute his presence to those around me that it was a blessing that he broke me in the midst of it. 
I can't separate his blessing and his breaking because it is the center of our faith. The greatest blessing that we have as believers is that Christ came and was broken for us. And it is a blessing that he came and allowed his body to be broken on our behalf. The breaking and the blessing are intertwined in our faith. It is not one and then the other. It's not sometimes this and sometimes that. It's that he is taking me to be made like him. And at his greatest moment of blessing and achieving the thing that he came to do was also his greatest moment of breaking, that his body was bruised and was broken on our behalf. As we baptize people today, we are celebrating that they are being made new into his presence. Guess what being made new is? Being made new is breaking an agreement with the old who you used to be. It is a breaking and a blessing at the very same time that you would break agreement with who the enemy wanted you to be and that you are being made new into a blessing of who God has called you to be. And as people go down into this water and the surface of that water is broken, it reminds us of just as in physical birth when the waters are broken for the blessing of a birth to come forth and you are being made new as you come up and are born not into a physical family but into the family of God and it reminds me again of when he broke the veil and in a single moment it was breaking and it was blessing that the veil would be broken that the container would be broken and that his presence would come out and would be a blessing among us so that I can stand in his blessing anywhere that I go not just when I come here not just when I go into a temple not just when I run into I think of a woman with an alabaster box that said I have to break it open to pour out a blessing at the feet of Jesus we don't sometimes live in blessing and sometimes live in breaking at the same time he is blessing us and he is breaking us, and we have to live in that place. Church, I wanna pray with us, pray for us a strength. I wanna pray for us a maturity that we would walk and live in the blessing and in the breaking that God has intended for us. That we wouldn't run from one, we wouldn't run to the other, but we would keep ourselves in the hands of Jesus and know that we are being blessed and broken all at the same time. If you're able, I'd love for you to stand with me today. Thank you, God. God, we are so grateful for your presence. We are so grateful of the blessing of knowing you, of being people who carry your presence, God. And I just speak over our church family today that you would give us a steadfastness, that you would give us a strength and a maturity, God. That we don't run when we feel the breaking. We don't run when we feel the pressure, God, but that we would be found in your hands. I speak over their lives that you would bless them. And God, I speak over their lives that you would break them to form them into your image. 
We ask that you make us fruitful. We ask that you would pour out into us. Make us worthy, pleasing vessels before you, Father God. Thank you, God. I thank you that when we are in your paths, we are blessed and broken at the same time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, church. We are believing that that word will bring strength and hope into your life. Absolutely. If God just spoke to you through this message and you're stirred right now to partner with us and to sow financially into the ministry that is Cornerstone Church, I want to encourage you to jump on over to our website, which is simply cornerstone.church and click the Give button. Find the avenue that is most convenient for you today. That's right. We are going to continue spreading the message of the gospel and we look forward to continuing to connect together.